This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. Four minutes after 12 is the time you are listening to James O'Brien on LBC. If you're listening in London, um, could you do me one tiny favour and tell me where or if it's possible to get hold of Eclipse glasses for tomorrow? Send me a text to 84850 and ideally if there's some sort of uh, public supply I can tell you where it is because I'd love my kids to see the solar eclipse that's due to unfold tomorrow. Indeed, there might be some questions about the solar eclipse in the next hour because mystery hour is upon us. My favourite time of the week. Most weeks, not all weeks, sometimes. In fact, the first hour today, if you missed it, the conversation about heckling on College Green yesterday and the interference with budget coverage was brilliant. I mean, really brilliant, probably because I didn't say much. So check that out. But now, fill your boots with knowledge. Mystery Hour is the radio equivalent of those popular newspaper columns where you have uh, one reader writing in with a question and another reader writing in with the answer. It can take months or even years sometimes to... Uh, achieve satisfaction, all right, never years, but definitely months to achieve satisfaction. Here, we will deliver satisfaction within minutes. You ring in with a question, 03456, actually, I'm full up. I know there's one phone line, 03456060973. You ring in with a question, and someone listening will know the answer. You're not allowed to look up answers, and you're not allowed to ask anything boring. Um, Obviously, we can't guarantee that, so if you ring in, we'll tell you, all right? If if your question is boring or repetitious, we will... uh, we will tell you. And that's it, really. Uh, you wait till you hear a question. If you know the answer to it, tell me what the answer is. If you know, the, I, I will ask you what your qualifications are, by which I don't mean, oh, I've got a bag of gymnastics award for and a cycling proficiency badge, James. I mean, how do you know what you've told me? Answer, I saw it on telly, or answer, as often happens on this program, I'm the professor of the public understanding of science at the University of Brighton. Seriously, I, I'm not kidding. That happens almost every week because it won't happen now. I've jinxed it. If you hear me say the phone number, it means I've got phone lines free. That's true every hour of every show um, when I'm here. If I don't say the phone number, we run the risk of talking to the same three people every single day on every single subject, which is, I think, a real risk. So we don't run it. I give you the phone number so that you can ring me. It's courtesy. Jane's in Ealing. Jane, you can kick us off with the first question this week. Okay. Um, I, w- I want to know why pencils are... How they got the label of, like, HB and TV. You know the bit where I just said a minute ago, you won't get on air if the question's really boring? It's not boring. Are you, are you absolutely sure about but this? I, I don't really want to... Yeah, yeah. Right. Why well, is it take me back to the beginning. And then it goes H for lighter. Does it? Sorry, my question from the beginning. Yes. It, it, why, why a pencil? How did they get the name, like, H, 2H, 3H, and there's an F, and then it goes the other way to get darker. It goes 2B, 3B, 4B. So you're wondering why it's not more obviously alphabetical? Yeah, or just, yeah. Doesn't H stand for hard? What does D stand for, then? Soft, in Latin. Uh, does it? Mm, probably not, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So there you go. Well, no, but, it, but it might be, it might be. But you want to know definitively. It might be, it might so, be. So how, how do pencils hard, get their names? And where does the random F come from? Uh, that, exactly. But is that a hard pencil or a soft pencil? I'm, I, I'm not sure. It could be, you know like, between the HB and the H. So what, what do the letters on pencils mean? I don't even mean? know if there is a one eight. What does it all mean? Pardon? What does it all mean? What do they all mean, all the, all the pencil signifiers? I owe you an apology. That's a very good question, Jane. 
I'm fascinated in hearing what the answer might be. Caroline's in Hackney. Caroline, um, question or answer? Oh, question. Um, I was wondering why we don't dream with sound, smell or touch. Why is it just visual? We do dream in the other senses. I don't know anyone that dreams with sound. Really? You can't hear anything in your dreams? No. All your dreams are silent, like a Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Really? (laughs) Not as funny, but yeah. It's just you, Caroline. I'm sure that's not true. I've I've been asking people and nobody... Just get back in your box. There's three people in the studio with me at the moment, okay? I, I, I will be the fourth, so we've got a very scientific <laughs> okay. sample here. Jones the Engineer, do you hear stuff in your dreams? I think I do. Yep. Talia, oh, okay. do, you hear, do you hear stuff in your dreams? Talia, yes or no? Yes. And Michael? No, I, I, yeah, all right, I worry about it. I know he doesn't, he doesn't hear much when he's awake. I don't know if we should be listening to him. So, all right, that's three out of four, but, but then two people. Smell, I don't know that smell, I'd be completely confident to say I smell stuff in my dreams. But touch, I, I, I don't want to be indelicate, but, but you've read Adrian Mole. Teenage boys have dreams of a very specific kind that clearly involve dreaming about touch, Caroline. Hmm. So what, what, what? Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, it's primarily a visual experience. There isn't much. So is life. Like, there's not much actual. So is life primarily a visual senses. experience? All right, I'll, gi- I'll give you the, uh, the benefit of the doubt. Why, why are dreams, why can't you smell in dreams? Yeah. Smell, touch, hear. I'm just, I don't know that the premises of the question are entirely accurate, but you can answer whatever angle of it you please. So we've got pencils and senses. If I needed more proof about the uh, the breadth of territory that Mystery Hour can cover, that that would have been achieved by now. What was the other? Pencils and senses. Steve's in Beckenham. Steve, question or answer? It's a question. Go on, Steve. Uh, when you go down to the South Pole, yeah. why is it, is it you're standing upside down? Oh, flip it out, mate. It was, <laughs> really, it was going well highbrow this week. <laughs> I mean, I understand about uh, the gravity holding everything else in together. Yeah. But I mean, if you've got a football, yeah, and you hold it up in the air, and you've got a toy soldier, and you stood it on the bottom, yeah, the soldier would be upside down, wouldn't it? What? You, yeah, well, yeah, but there wouldn't be any gravity. The gravity would be drawing him back towards the earth. Whereas if you're standing on the earth and the gravity's drawing you back towards the earth, it doesn't matter whether you're upside down or not. You're going to be fa- your feet are going to be on the floor, and you're going to be fine. Yeah, but you'd still be upside down, wouldn't you? No, I can't. <laughs> I don't understand it. All right, I, I, I can see why, and, and I don't think I can explain it, so I can't, I can't tease you. What, why, it, when you're on the bottom of the planet, does it not yeah. feel like all the blood's rushing to your head? That's what you're really asking. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to know. The answer is gravity, but you need someone cleverer than me to explain it to you better. Thank you. You're welcome. Steve? Lee, it, oh, a couple of phone lines. Busy start. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Just explain the uh, the what, what is it? The nomenclature or the categorization of pencils to me? Two H two B H B. What does it all mean? And is there really a random F out on the fringes? Um, what senses do we employ in our dreams? Caroline convinced that she neither smells, hears, nor touches in hers. I'm pretty confident I do too of the three above, and uh, as are most of my colleagues. But hey, let's find out. And um, just remind us or 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 tell steve why when you're on the bottom of the planet you don't feel like you're upside down oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three uh david's in st albans question or answer david James. hello and the answer is that, is that pencils yes well 
H stands for hard, B stands for black. So HB is a sort of middle middling pencil. So it's it's hard and it's black. And then when it goes to H, it becomes harder. And H one one two three gets it's got less carbon in it. Oh, sorry, less graphite. Yeah. Um, and F, I think, probably stands for fairly hard. I don't know. That's just a guess there. Um, I mean, I'm not going to pretend it was going brilliantly. But when you reach the line that says, I'm not really sure that's just a guess there, it suggests to me, David, you haven't fully taken on board the, the rules and regulations of Mystery Hour. Well, I got most of it out. I got well, did you really? H is for hard and B is for black? Yes, seriously. What, what's wrong with that as an answer? Well, well why would you have... I mean, it might be right, but... Well, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with it? Is there two different categories? As the great philosopher Freddie Eyre would have said, you've made a category error. How can H and B be relevant to the same question when one describes hardness and one describes colour? Well, because that's how pencils, that they're different. A hard, a hard pencil has is, got a more grey... I appearance. think B means soft. Well, it's B is for black. It's, no, it's for soft. It's black. Yeah, but look, a, a hard pencil You're just is making this up. You're just making this up, aren't you? No. All right, well, what are your qualifications, then? I use pencils. <laughs> I'm going to give you one more chance to... I'm going to give you one more chance to admit that you've been wasting our time, all right? No, these definitely stand for black and H for hard. It's, it's patently obvious, isn't it? No, 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 don't fade him out. I was sending Jones a different message. It's not patently obvious, unless you can tell me what your qualifications are. You don't have to have qualifications to give an answer on this programme, do you? That's it, David. I want David banned from Mystery Hour. Of course you need qualifications. Oh, you. What are you still doing here? I thought you'd be... Do you know what? I, I've got one thing, one thing and one thing only to say to you, David. Uh, Politicians is. are liars! Lee's in Windsor. Lee, question or answer? Hello, mate. It's a question, please. Go on. Go on. It's um, limited edition. Yeah. What, what defines limited edition? The limits. Well, what's the limits then? <laughs> the, Royal, the Royal Mint yes. do limited edition coins. They do. But they can do 1,000, but they can do 10,000. Yes, but they have I to tell you when you so buy it how much they're going to do. Yeah, but who defines it then? They I do. can do a limited edition and say a million. Yeah, you could. So it's not limited edition. Really well, it, well, it is, limited. but you'd be yeah. unlikely to sell many on the limited premium because everyone would go, well, it's not that limited, is it? So when you buy, I have, for example, as a display of my massive maturity, Lee, I have a, a Dennis the Menace original cartoon on my kitchen wall, but it's a limited what, edition. Cool. It's very nice, actually. The one with the catapult, classic iconic image. But it's one of 500, and mine is something like 37 out of 500. Now, if it was five, about 5 million, I probably wouldn't have bought it because I'd have just bought myself a poster, wouldn't I, or a photograph. But a limited edition oh. print tells you how many there are in circulation. Well, yeah, but so everything's limited edition in a way, then, isn't no, it? No, no, it isn't, because... because no, it isn't, because I can't sell you a limited edition print and then go and make more afterwards when I've gone beyond that limit, because then you could sue me. It wouldn't be a limited yeah, a edition. Car, a car manufacturer can make your uh, Vauxhall... It's a beer, fi- uh, mate, I'm, doing, I'm trying to help you, Lee. <laughs> it's a finite <laughs> no. number. There's a limit on how much they can make. So if it was my limited edition Zafira, although I now drive a Volvo for the record, I, I like oh, to feel that like I'm maturing in many ways, although the Dennis and Menace poster remains on the kitchen wall, you, you, you would not be allowed to make any more under that limited edition mark you just wouldn't be a, no, i understand that right i understand that but right. you're still you're, you can call anything a limited edition then yes surely yes so they're just doing it purely for marketing no because well yes but also no yes. at the same time <laughs> 
But someone else said that to you, you would sort of, yes and no. Well, only if it was make your mind up. Well, look, the thing is, it makes it a more attractive purchase because there's a finite number of them in existence. And they they have to guarantee that that number is finite by making it a limited edition. Think of an Athena poster. You know the Athena poster of the of the young yep. woman scratching her backside? That's not a limited edition, right? Right. So you could go out and buy one of them now, even though you probably had one on your wall in 1964 or 1974. Yep. So that's not a limited edition. But if they'd only ever printed 500 of them and they weren't allowed to print any more, it'd be worth a fortune today. Yeah. So, it, so it's a value thing then? Yeah. Really? Kind of, that's what yeah. It falls down to. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I'm happy with that. Oh, so am I. Thank you. I'm glad you pressed the right button then, Jones. That could easily have been... uh, What what could it have been instead of the applause? Politicians are liars! It's 12.16. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. Oh, I've done it again, haven't I? The ruder I was to a caller on Mystery Hour about their inadequate answers, the more likely it is that the answer subsequently turns out to be true. Pencils, eh? Neil is in Frimley. Neil, question or answer? Uh, it's a question, Jane. Come on, mate. Firstly, uh, just to say, I've laughed out loud a couple of times already. Good show. Fantastic. Guaranteed delivered. Good man. <laughs> um, James, right, I've got two pieces of chicken, and this causes uh, a slight argument, not argument, but indifference between me and my wife. Two pieces of chicken in the freezer. One says, defrost thoroughly, and the other one says, cook from frozen. Oh, yeah. Are they just chicken breasts? Normal chicken breasts? Yeah, chicken breasts. Are you sure? Are you sure you're not getting your Kievs mixed up with your Supremes? No, no, as I say, I've seen this, and it's on other meats as well, all different types of meat. Some say, you know, you could have two sausages, some say defrost thoroughly, some say cooked from frozen. And my wife, yeah, oh, you haven't defrosted it thoroughly, well, we can't eat that. And I'm like, oh, just bung it in the oven. As long as it's cooked. Might just, I don't know, actually. I'm not even going to speculate on that, because I've done enough speculating for one day. But, but it, 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 yes, so then don't speculate, James. Don't say I'm not going to speculate, but, and then speculate. Oh, James, now, I thought you were going to hit me with the super arm. Well, I, I, no, no, I don't know why. I, I recognise what you describe. With me, it's usually the, the... I've always presumed that my Kiev is better cooked from frozen, because the butter's frozen solid in the middle, and it, it, I don't know, it just sort of is more yeah, likely to stay there. there. No, yeah. no one likes a punctured Kiev, Neil, do they? No, no, no. So, no, 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 I'll get it. I'm right. The line's going, so I'll get it for you. Why? Why? Two pieces of chicken. One says cook from frozen. One says defrost thoroughly. Why? 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 Sandy's in Billingshurst. Billinghurst. Sandy, question or answer? Uh, hi, James. It's no answer. Well, cheer up, um, mate. It's. Uh, I'm sorry. I've been really ill. Oh, Sandy. Um, so I know. I know. I'm getting over it. I hope. Well, well I'm here to help you get over it. There you go. It's a laugh out loud for you. There, as guaranteed. <coughs> oh no! Don't start coughing. Sound oh, flipping. <laughs> oh, stop it! Stop laughing. It'll anyway, only set you off um, again. What have you got for me? Anyway, I'm ever so sorry, James. The chap who called about the pencils was was correct. Oh, shut the front ways. door. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh. Um, qualifications first. Uh, yeah. As a child, and right up to the age of about twenty, I used to draw, draw, draw an awful lot and got very much into my pencils, what they meant, and how to use them. So, that's qualification. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, secondly, if I can first start with, if I can call the pencil lead a lead, yes. although they're not made of lead, they're made of carbon graphite. Yes. So, the H does mean hard, Uh-oh. and the B does mean black, Uh-oh. and the S means fine. Now, mm. what happens is you've effectively, in your H pencil, 
is uh, more carbon than graphite. So the higher up the scale of H you go, so you get to about a 9 or 10 H, um, means that there is even less graphite going up the scale. You sure you've got that the right way around? Absolutely. All right, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, which means that basically you will get uh, a firmer, and as you go up the, the H scale, a lighter stroke on the paper. Oh, of course, yes. So it doesn't get harder? Uh, the, the, the lead, that, uh, the pencil lead, yes. is a better word. That, well, there isn't a better word. Because it's more graphite. Right. Uh, sorry, it's more carbon, so it is harder. Okay. So but graphite's harder than carbon. That's why, that, no, no, I'm not trying to claw back credibility, Sandy. You've already nailed me on this. But the reason I ask are you sure you've got that the right way around is because graphite's harder than carbon. Maybe I've got that the wrong way around then. Maybe right, hang on, I'm just going to take a quick, no, I, 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 I'm just taking a quick, <laughs> I'm just, don't, don't start, don't start laughing because you'll only start coughing again. Give me a quick round of applause for that just to claw back some credibility that I said I wasn't doing. I think you've got okay. that bit the wrong way around. Now carry on. Okay, so, okay, we'll go for there's more graphite in the H. So, so effectively, as you're using the pencil, because there's less lead coming off the pencil point, this, the stroke on the paper gets lighter. Now, the F, it denotes a hard pencil, so we're back on the slightly... F for fineness, so you can sharpen it to a really right. sharp point. That's absolutely right. And then the black is exactly the same. Okay, we'll say more carbon than graphite. Yeah. Um, the black will give you a slightly darker and softer stroke. So you don't have to press as hard on the paper. And as you go up the B scale, up to about 7 or 8, I think it goes, I think slightly less than the A scale, then um, you get a darker and darker and a thicker and thicker line. Sandy, and, I hope this yeah. aids your recovery, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, all right, Declan. I just laughed out loud at you getting egg on your face over the pencils. Yeah, all right, pal. Kipros is in Haringey. Kipros, question or answer? It's a question, James. Yes. Right, first of all, it's an absolute privilege talking to you, mate. Dip, ditto. Ditto, Kipros, ditto. Um, right, James, quite a simple one. But basically, I'm quite partial to having my fish barbecues most evenings, right, and mm. my poor missus does the privilege of cleaning up the fish and everything. And then we're sitting there, and one evening she turns around and she says to me, oh, I hate the fact that you love fish food so much that it all stinks of the ocean. Now, I'm, I'm quite fussy on the salts that I use, and I actually select crystals and sea salts. And I just wondered to myself, why is it that the salt, which is quite an absorbent substance itself, never seems to smell of the ocean? Yet anything else you pull out, whether it's seaweed or fish or what, has that definite smell of the ocean. It's the water, isn't it? So if you if you well, dis if you dissolved the salt in the water, no, because the salt you've got in your kitchen it's a, come a long way from the sea, whereas the seaweed you've got is still covered in sea water. Yeah, but I'm sure when you when you take out even a seashell that you've had out to dry for ages and you, and you put it on your mantelpiece or whatever, and you put you put your nose to it, you can still smell. Really, you still have yeah. I don't, is, this, well, I, is this a brilliant question or, or an appalling question, Kip Ross? I'm not. I can't quite decide. Well, it's uh, why doesn't no, salt? <laughs> why doesn't salt smell of the sea? Is what you're really asking me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why doesn't salt smell? Might be a better um, question. Ah, and there's your answer. Go. Salt doesn't smell. Why? Well, any, what do you mean? Why? It just doesn't. <laughs> 
That's not an answer. Right? <laughs> yes, it is. I'm a parent. <laughs> That's the only answer you're getting. <laughs> Got a seven, six-year-old at home. So salt doesn't smell, and the other things. D- no, that's not an answer, is it? No, it's not. No. You, no. So if you get a bucket of seawater, that will smell. Yes. But if you and then, if you heat up the bucket and all the water evaporates until you've just got salt left, and you scrape all the salt off the bucket and put it in an envelope, we don't think that no, will smell. No, it doesn't. Just, all right, mate. Just, you're on. It's an illustration. Sea salts, old sea mines back in Larnaca. If you drive past them, you wouldn't get an if of any sort of sea smell. Yet you had stacks of sea salt packed up there. In, in where? In Larnaca? In Larnaca, yeah. Back when you used to have the sea meals. The salt meals, sorry. The salt, yeah, you're right. You, I mean, and around Epsom and places, and you, there's Malden sea salts as well. It does salt smell. So, I just can't quite focus on what the question is. Is it? Is it why doesn't salt smell if seawater does? No, why, why well, seawater makes everything smell. smell. Why doesn't sea salt smell? Yeah. It's a bit That's of a, a tongue twister. I can feel a tongue twister coming on. Yeah. <laughs> sea salt smells. If sea salt, sea salt, sea... No. All right, mate. What, what, yeah. How long have you been puzzling this one over? Just since last night's barbecue? No, no. A couple of months now. A couple of months. What did you have last night? Uh, last night was octopus. Oh, look at you! Are you of, <laughs> are you of Mediterranean heritage? Yes, yeah, I'm Greek. Yeah, you see, a little bit of octopodi, eh? Octopodi, bravo. Octopodi pedi mu in the cala. For Leonel. Yasas, filos mu. James, absolute pleasure. Me too, as well. I love a bit of octopus. I had swordfish last night, but I didn't know the Greek word for that, so I thought I'd bin kit pros off before going towards the news. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBs. I do not know, I don't. Where we continue with these mysteries. Why doesn't sea salt smell? Why does Neil's chicken come with two? One piece says cook from frozen. The other, just imagine how this is going to sound if you tuned in for the first time. Yeah, okay. Stay with us. You won't regret it. Um, cook from frozen. Defrost thoroughly. We've done limited editions. Upside down. Why, why don't you feel upside down when you're at the South Pole? What's, what senses do we use in our dreams? And what was the very first, the pencils we've done as well? We're doing all right. It's 12.30. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. 33 minutes after 12, you are listening to James O'Brien on LBC. I, I know you're sick and, sick and sick and sick and tired of me telling you why I love my job so much, but this is one of the reasons why. I was mentioning a moment ago my Dennis the Menace cartoon that I've got. I bought a limited edition in answer to the question about what makes a limited edition. And this just came in. James, I just called to congratulate you on your taste. I speak as the Beano's Dennis the Menace artist, Nigel Parkinson, who helpfully adds in brackets, not you, Kip. Um, because we did go through a phase of proving fairly comprehensively that everyone called Nigel Derrick or Roger was demonstrably more likely to be drawn towards that strange party. Um, delighted to hear from you on both counts, Nigel, and uh, keep up the good work. I'm a nine-year-old now as a subscriber, so it really has gone down through the generations. Back to Mystery Hour. Professor Hal is in Brighton. Professor Hal, question or answer? It's an answer to the um, gravity one. And I've got a Dennis the Menace jumper, as it happens. Not as cool as a limited edition print. Anyone can buy a jumper. Mine's limited edition. <coughs> um, okay. Carry on. Um, gravity. So, gravity's... I mean, no, hang on. Let me remind people of what the question was. Why, <laughs> when you're at the South Pole, don't you feel like you're under, um, upside down? Okay. We have to see the bigger picture. That, um, we, there's no top of the planet and bottom of the planet. And in space, there's no up and down. And gravity is the, is the force we feel um, at, uh, on a direct line between the centre of the Earth and us. And it's whatever force happens to pull you strongest, that's you will feel that that is down. So the point at which people's heads start hurting is the point at which they're asked to contemplate the notion that in space there's no up and down. 
There isn't any up and down the space. No, I know. That's the point at which people's heads start hurting. Metaphorically or or physically? Probably both, actually. Okay. But there's a a nice little analogy we can draw. You know the the motorcyclist on the wall of death? Yes. Right. He or she would always feel that they were upright and that wherever their wheels happened to be was down. And I remember when I was a a boy going on a a sort of similar ride whereby you were in a big wooden cylinder which started spinning and then the floor dropped away. That's right, yeah. I remember those. My mum hated those. She wouldn't let us on them. Okay, well, my mum let me on it. And I always felt I was down. And the last analogy is a roller coaster. When you're at the top of the loop of the roller coaster, you still feel that you're up, in quotes, even though you're upside down, because the centripetal force that's forcing you up exceeds gravity, which is trying to pull you down. So it's relative to the observer. And what the original caller was thinking was there's, it's almost like there's some bigger gravitational force pulling you if you're on the South Pole. There isn't. There's no up and down in space. Up and down is relative to where you're standing, and it's always towards the centre of the Earth. So you're always being pulled towards the centre of the Earth, wherever you are. Everything that, is being pulled towards the centre of the Earth. Therefore, and that you're down. That's down. And everything even if, that is up. Yeah. Now, I know you're right, obviously, what we've been, the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the yeah, University of Brighton and all. No, well, I don't, don't be modest. Seriously. It's me. And, um... And yet, I still feel, and glancing at some of the blank faces before me in the studio, that idea of there being no up and down in space is, is just, just one of those things that I think we struggle to comprehend or fully grasp. But it's because, because we're all brought up knowing that down is towards the cent- is the force pulling us towards the centre of the Earth, yes. and up is the opposite direction. But I don't, when you're walking around down under, mm-hmm. blood is all being pulled, everything's being pulled, so you feel exactly the same as you would if you were walking yeah. around up top. Everything is being pulled towards the centre of the earth, and so someone in Australia is, it feels exactly the same way as we do here, because we're being pulled effectively in opposite directions by the centre of the earth. The centre of the earth is the primary force and the primary frame of reference. So whatever, wherever your feet are pointing towards the centre of the earth, that is your down. So my down is different from some chappy with court. Yep. From his Round of applause coming up, I think. Okay. okay. All right. You can sound a bit more cheerful about it. You know, I, I've got that. I thought you were getting bored of the answer, so... Um, oh, there, might have been mm. a bit, there might have been a bit of that as well, Hal, to be honest. Uh, but I'm sure... No, that's not really fair. It's just I prefer it when you illustrate stuff with flashing beakers and chemicals and things, but you can't do that over the radio. Now, you can see it on YouTube, though, Professor Hal introducing me to the mother of all glow sticks. I'll try and dig that footage out for you. Have you not seen that? It's, oh, it's amazing. He came to see one of my shows, and he brought this stuff with him, and I pour it out of one beak. What was it called, Professor Hal? It was... Um, <clears throat> ethyl oxalate uh, acetate Easy and for you to hydrogen say. peroxide. It was, a, it was basically an oxalate ester, which um, it's um, it's an exophotic reaction. So, Mr. Sig, have you got have you got the footage handy? Tweet it to me now, and I'll retweet it immediately so everyone can see it. It was one of the coolest things I've ever been involved with, and it was all down to Professor Hal, who's had his round of applause. Nikki's in Wallingham. Nikki, question or answer? Uh, it's a question. Hmm? It's a question. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Uh, have you got your radio on in the background, Nikki? No, I haven't. Oh, all right. It was just a random echo then. Oh, sorry. It's probably my phone. Um, So if you boil a batch of eggs all from the same box, why is it that some peel nicely, the shell comes off more or less in one piece, and others peel little piece at a time, bit by bit? Wait, can can you just excuse me for a moment? Sure. Thanks. Who put this through? Hello? Who put put this one through? About the egg peeling. Is that one of yours? Is that you, is it? So you're interested in the answer to this question? 
You lying toad. You're not remotely interested in the answer to this question. All right, so why, when you boil six... What? Yeah. (laughs) Six eggs from the same box. Some are easier to peel than others. Yeah. Did you hear the last caller? Did you hear the last caller? I did, yeah. The Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. He has a lovely voice. He does, doesn't he? He's a lovely man. Yeah. But now we're talking about the ease with which eggs from the same box can be peeled. Okay, but there's something for everyone. Yeah, yeah, you make a valid point. Talk me through your egg peeling experiences. I mean, how often do you get six that all peel identically? You never do. Are you serious? This is a scandal. Alert the newsroom. (laughs) No, it's really frustrating because, you know... But why, why, where do you get the notion that all six eggs in a box would have been laid at precisely the same time? Well, you you must imagine that they would, given the sort of environments they come from. Different chickens, different chickens... Different timings, well, it, different lay times. Well, it could be. It well, could it's bound be. to be. Well, no, because you, I, I would think that all eggs in a, in one box come from the same supplier, probably been hatched within minutes of each from other. From six different chickens who've I eaten six that, different sort of yeah, amounts but wh- of food. Why would one chicken feel easily and one? That's not your question. Oh, okay. Your your question was why don't all the eggs in the box peel the same? The answer is because they were all laid by a different chicken. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess. No, all right. I'm not, I can't send you away disappointed. Thank you. You're welcome. We'll try and find out. Peelability, egg peel. You see, Carl's with me. He says the same box doesn't mean the same chicken. I know that's not good enough though. She wouldn't accept that as an answer. We need something else. Something more detailed. Something more sophisticated. Oh three four five six zero six zero nine seven three is the number that you need. Adam is in West Hampstead. If this is about eggs, Adam, save your breath. No, it's about cats and dogs. Oh, flipping <laughs> out. Go on, then. No, it's a good one, though. Yeah. Um, I was wondering last night, why is it when you uh, kiss a cat, so, for example, uh, it comes over to you, but when you do that to a dog, it doesn't. But when you whistle a dog, a dog comes over to you and you get its attention. But when you do it to a cat, it doesn't. Maybe just to do with the hearing range, won't it? The, the sounds that appeal and don't appeal to. I mean, it's a bit like asking why do dogs like playing fetch and cats don't. Is it something through their evolution that makes them react to these noises? No. Or is it something in their brain that makes them connect with this noise or something? I don't understand. Well, a dog is a... Oh, man, it's one of those. I mean, what time is it now? How long have we got left? Oh, flipping it. It's only 12.42. All right, eggs... Egg. Uh, how do you peel... What to Peeling eggs? Peeling eggs and... Why do cats like kissing? <laughs> Is that what you asked? No. Why do they react to that sound? Why does a kiss get a cat's attention and a whistle get a dog's? But when you whistle a cat and you kiss a dog, it doesn't. You yeah. owe me, pal. You owe me more than you will ever know. I will. Do you know why? No. Because Jones the Engineer just made this noise in my ear. And it's one of the uh, least pleasant audio experiences. I speak of someone who's been <laughs> on the radio for more than a decade. Never have my ears felt more soiled than they currently do. Politicians are liars! But, uh, except possibly then. I don't know. It's a tough one. So, wh- wh- why... <sighs> so, we're, we're talking about animals' response to sound. What, why do cats like one noise and dogs like another? I'm not even sure that's a mystery. But I've got to stop rubbishing all the questions, otherwise no one's going to ring in with any more. James is in Wimbledon. James, question or answer? Uh, question, please. Carry on. Um, hopefully it's a bit more interesting than the last couple. Yeah, I wouldn't um, jinx it if I were you. <laughs> I was listening to Sam Smith yesterday, and uh, 
when he sings certain notes, it like sends shivers up my spine and gives me goosebumps. Now I know why, in terms of heat, you get goosebumps and stuff like that. But why would a sound make you react in that way? Isn't that the same as the last question? How dare you? Well, isn't it though? You just, you just introduced a human dimension to it, and you've replaced with Sam Smith. Yeah, but we know we know why the phenomenon happens with temperature. So, so you know goosebumps come up to do something with your body hair that insulates you differently from... So why would exactly. an emotional reaction give you goosebumps? Or is or it a like sound. a frequency thing? Is it was it a frequency? frequency? No, because... Yeah. Was it a frequency or an emotion, do you think? Was it a wobble, like a wobble or a wibble? Yeah, well, I get... Like, you get the shiver up the spine and you get the goosebumps at the same time. So is it a frequency or an emotional reaction or something I like else? It. I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, Adele does it for me as well. Does Adele do it for you? Yeah, it's normally the people with, like, really powerful voices. Well, also the minor registers. Do you remember... How old are you, James? 26. Oh. So you're not familiar yeah. with... You're not familiar with Black and the Sweetest Smile. I'm not, unfortunately. Yeah, anything like in the minor key when I, was, when I was a lad. Anything in the minor key used to get me. I don't know whether that would play into your sound frequency theory. Oh, I like this. Why, why do songs give you goosebumps? Some weirdness about kissing cats. And why are six eggs in a box all different peel, peel, all have different peelability quotients? Why doesn't sea salt smell, given that everything else that comes out of the sea does? Why do some chicken pieces tell you to cook from frozen, while others order you to defrost thoroughly? And that, my friends, is that for this week. So we need to get those answered, but I've got room for some more. Uh, Michael's in stains. Michael, question or answer? Hi, James. Um, first time hearing this show is very, very funny. So you've, thought, so you've uh, never tuned in before? No, I normally work at this hour, so... Uh, right, fair play. Well, there's a po- there's a bit, oh, good to have you on board. It's, I mean, some people take years to pluck up the courage to ring in. You're clearly a man of epic confidence. <laughs> but I've got I've got a, a question that I'd like answered by your listeners, if yes, possible. Yes, of course. Um, I want to know why I have to put my phone in flight mode on a plane. What happens if I don't? Is, is a plane going to crash or are you going to die? What happens if someone forgets? Aeroplane uh, putting... mode. Yeah, flight mode. Are they? Are they? Are they no, it's called air, it's called airplane mode, isn't it? I know it's the same oh, thing. My, on my phone, it's flight mode. Is it? I have a Samsung. Yeah. Oh, okay. So mine's on airplane mode. I first got my iPhone. I put it into airplane mode. I was really disappointed. <laughs> well, you thought you'd go fly on there. <laughs> I'll try and get you an answer, Michael. It's eleven twelve forty-five. Ten minutes to one. You are listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Um, some mysteries still to solve. Why does a song? How can a song give you goosebumps? Um, Sheila Fogarty, whose voice you just heard, <laughs> sounds like I'm about to say she gives me goosebumps. That'd just be creepy. Uh, she's just tweeted to say that the uh, the band Anthony and the Johnsons do it for her, and she's not kidding. Now, some of those songs were just uh, not so much goosebumps as they send genuine shivers down your spine, um, and. Also looking for answers to why do phones have an airplane mode or a flight mode? It doesn't seem to serve any useful purpose. Why do eggs in the same box have different degrees of peelability? Why doesn't sea salt smell? No, that sounds like the beginning of a tongue twister, but it isn't. And why do some chicken come with an order to cook it from frozen while other pieces, the same bird, we're told we must defrost thoroughly? Mark's in Ipswich. Question or answer, Mark? It's an answer, James. Of course it is. Go on. Okay, it's about the eggs. Yes, why, why, why in, in, in the box of six? Do they... Well, there's, there's two parts to this question. Yeah. Why are the eggs so different, and why are some easier to peel than others? Yes. Now, when eggs are collected from the various farms, you'll get a truck, and it'll go to lots of different farms to pick up the eggs, 
And so by the time the eggs actually get to you, they could be two or three weeks old. Uh-huh. So they have to go, they have to be picked up from each individual farm. Then they're taken to a central place where they're sorted and graded and stamped and everything. So not only in your box will you get eggs from different chickens, you'll also get them from different farms. That's why they're different. As to why some are easier to peel than others, it's to do with the age of the egg. The actual eggshell is porous, so it lets in air. If you used to go, like I'm lucky enough to live in the country, if you used to go to one of these farms and actually get your eggs fresh from the farm, you will have the devil's own job trying to peel them because there's not much air that's got into the egg. You'll yeah. sometimes notice that when you've peeled an egg, you'll see um, you'll see like a, a, a hole at the bottom of the peeled egg. There's like a, a, like a, a semicircular hole at the bottom of the egg. And that's because quite a lot of air has managed to get in there. It's formed a uh, bubble. Yeah, that's right. You do, like an indentation, like a dimple. That's right, like a dimple. Yeah. So um, the older the egg, the more air has been let in through the porous shell and the easier it is to peel. So if you get a really fresh egg, um, you won't be able to peel it very well. Mark. And that's why, and that's why if there's, there's an old story there, if you want to check the freshness of an egg, Drop put it in, in water. Brilliant. If it sinks, it hasn't let much air in, it's so it's very fresh. If it floats, it's let a lot of air in, and so it's less fresh. You've already earned yourself a round of applause, but I, can, you just, can you just look after me for, for a minute? Because I'm... <laughs> no. No, no, because this might be a bit tricky for me, right? It's a bit emotional. Okay. Because I, I had a couple of... I had a, <clears throat> come on. Two, three, four, five. I had a couple of chickens uh, until last year. Right, okay. And, um, and before they were killed by a fox. Uh-huh. The other thing about very fresh eggs is they poach much better. Ah, did, did you okay. know that? I didn't. You know when um, you try well, to poach an egg at home and it goes all over the place, like a spider's web yeah. in your pan? A little bit of vinegar, everyone knows that. But the fresher the egg, the better the poach. I did not know. I'm terrible at poaching eggs. But now I you know why. Get them fre- what are your qualifications, then, for, for your brilliant answer? <laughs> um, it's just stuff I've learned over the years and I've noticed it. And you are a tractor eggs. boy. No, 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 I, I live in Ipswich, but I'm, I'm from Lincolnshire originally. Definitely not a tractor boy. <laughs> I thought, so it just seemed a fairly good qualification. Uh, and it's earned, you, it's earned you a round of applause, but it was such a beautiful answer, I thought I'd give you a bit of egg-based knowledge in return, and now I have. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Sounds very happy, almost um, ecstatic. Andy's in Edmonton. Andy, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer to, to one of your questions for yourself personally uh, in relation to swordfish. Oh, the Greek word for swordfish? Uh, it's actually xiphia. I knew that, yes, xiphia, xiphia. Is it? You haven't just made me say yeah. something rude on the radio, have you? No, 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 most definitely not. That, that's, that's, that's your little bit, and I won't ask for a round of applause. Well, you weren't going to get uh, one. No, I, I know that after all the years I've been speaking to you. Go on, what, yeah. what, what was the one you rang in with? Well, I, w- <laughs> I was about to answer the egg question. Qualifications, I was a chef for many, many years. Yeah, but you're not, uh, so what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm actually a private investigator waiting out of someone's side, someone's house to serve a summons. Well, right at this moment? Yeah, and I've held off. I'll wait for your phone call. How's well, that? What if they come out? They've probably... They're, hang on, they're like, quick, I'm just looking out the back window. <laughs> do you think they're listening to your show? Well, if they are, they're not now, are they? They're running out the back garden. Well, they've been rumbled, haven't they? Um, so you've been rumbled. What did you give me? The sea salt answer, please. 
These sort of answer is it's as soon as you introduce the water, that's why you introduce. That's why you have it in the air and the, and the taste. As soon as the water disappears, that's why you will not have the um, the, the smell of it, the smell of the salt. I don't know that that's an answer, Andy. It is most definitely. Um, and uh, why, why doesn't why doesn't salt smell answer? What? Well, it will only smell when you introduce it into water, which is why when you stand by the sea, and as um, Gibbard said to you as well, in Larnaca, where they've got the salt flats, yeah. you, you will smell it, because when the water's introduced to that and it blows in there, that's when you'll smell it. And when it dries out in the summer, you don't smell it at all. So why did Kipros's seashell on his mantelpiece still smell of the of the sea? Oh, uh, he's probably he's probably put too much uzo on his. Um, too much uzo. <laughs> you can't accuse my callers of being intoxicated, even if you do. <laughs> even if you do have a sort of common background, I think I think that'll do. It must be maybe bacteria. Do you think bacteria's got anything to do with it? It's because it's airborne, isn't it? Yes. Evaporation, little bit of this, little yeah. bit of that. It's earned you a round of applause. <laughs> Andy, quick! He's running. He's going. He's going now. God for that, I think he caught him. Martin's in Epping. Martin, question or answer? Answer to the airplane mode. Carry on. Um, it's, um, it's to stop the phone trying to send out signals while you're actually on the airplane. It's also, um, I was doing a bit of research recently on it because it was on a television programme called Better Call Saul. Yes, um, very good show. And electromagnetic no, spoilers. Radio- no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. But electromagnetic radiation is a uh, is a um, is what the phone is generating. So it's um, yeah, but they're about to start it... offering Wi-Fi on on planes. How does that work? Ah, uh, that wasn't the question. Well, it kind of was because the, the, the <laughs> subtext of the question was what What on earth is the point of airplane mode? Because like but you can wi- make phone calls oh. from planes now. You've seen the phone phones on planes, haven't you? I have. I've done a lot of. Flying on well, not as a passenger, but um, yeah. you can now. You, I mean, you can now use your pl- your phone on the the plane for watching things if it's in airplane mode, so that it's not interrupting with their signals. A, well, the general consensus is that there's signals that might interfere, but a lot of people are telling me actually they won't. They might have done once, Although, but they don't. Yeah, there was a MythBusters episode where they said it was bunkum. It was what? Bunkum. Oh. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> yeah, no, all right. That was close, wasn't it, Sheila? Um, Sheila Fogarty is here. I just want to make her feel at home. I don't... <laughs> okay, I thought that was coming. <laughs> I just, I, I managed mo- mostly to, to sort of zone him out. But You did extremely well. Oh, you did extremely well. Were you surprised to hear the consensus? Well, you probably weren't listening, but my callers this morning were, were of the view that it was a marvellous demonstration of democracy in action. Well, I kind of agree with them. He was really go. annoying, but he had every right to do it. Sounds like uh, one of the reviews of my radio show. Uh, Alan's on the Wirral. Can you do it in 20 seconds, Alan? Yes, I'm a blind dreamer. I used to be a sighted dreamer. When I was sighted, I concentrated on the pictures during the day and not the night. Uh, during the night, I'm more aware of my dreams because I have no sight now. When I dream, there is no smell and the only speech comes from my side. Oh, wow. Alan, take this with, with, with my thanks. You're welcome, James. Oh, thank you. I look forward to the next one. I'm sorry this one had to be so short, but I'm not a... Uh... I'm certainly not going to interrupt Sheila Fogarty. She had quite enough of that yesterday. I'm James O'Brien. This is LBC. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 10. He didn't defeat me. I'm back for more uh, on LBC.